0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to listen well to your word. We don't want to be fools, deceiving ourselves uh, by going through the motions of just another gathering where we hear words. We want these words to enter into our hearts. So please send your spirit to make us ready to hear and change as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, as I understand it, last week you looked at the wonderful parable of the sower, one of the most famous parables in the New Testament. Uh, The parable of the soils, the four different types of soils. Uh, This week we're looking at two more parables about seeds. They all belong together um, and they deal with growth and what brings growth and what to expect from that Uh, but what I want to do is just include some comments about this strange mini parable that we've got in 21 through 24 25 uh, about the lamp under a a bowl or or a bed uh, and all that kind of stuff and talk about it now some have suggested that this is a bit random almost as if Mark just suddenly went off on one and started talking about something that's completely disconnected But uh, you can tell by my tone, I don't think that. I think that the gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are cleverer than we think. And even given their human cleverness, behind their authorship is a divine author. So God speaks through these men as they write down these things in this particular order. So it's not just that the words that they were choosing were inspired by the Spirit. I think they are. But I think the order that these things are put together the way these things match each other is divinely inspired so God intended right in the middle of these three seed parables a little section about lamps and beds and shining why that's the question I guess we're asking well what I want to do is talk about four things um, briefly this afternoon to do with That issue, whatever it is, and then the two parables that follow it, which are the same issue. That's what I want to try and convince you of. Uh, The basic idea is we need to listen really carefully. It's ever such a dangerous thing to pick up your Bible and read it or to go to a church gathering and listen to the word preached. It's a dangerous thing to do that because the outcome of it might be the hardening of your heart because you don't listen. And here's the warning from Jesus. So four things on that theme for us to contemplate. Firstly, there will be a time for sharing in the future. That's the first point. So in the middle of the first parable that Ben looked at with you last week is a really difficult section where Jesus explains parables. He tells his disciples why he speaks in parables. Now, nearly all of us probably think that parables are simple stories for simple folk. Now really easy to get your head around nice homely sort of farming or family kind of stories that um, they're just they're just to lighten the atmosphere just make it a bit easier to swallow some of the things that Jesus says but Jesus says that's not true at all that's not why I'm speaking in parables now this is the first thing you need to get ready to hear because you might not like this but this is what Jesus says parables are for he says Verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you but to those on the outside, he's talking to the disciples here, to everyone else everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understand, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. My goodness me, you can hardly believe Jesus would say something like that can you, the purpose of the parables is not simple tales for simple folk. It is to obscure and hide. That's almost exactly the opposite of what we think. But Jesus says they function more like riddles than simple stories designed to exclude those who have already decided they're not going to listen. That's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm going to speak in riddles, in parables so that those who've already hardened their hearts and won't listen to God's word It will be an exclusion, it will be a judgment on them. Jesus doesn't expect, though, things to remain like that forever. And this is where we get to our little bit. See, at the end of this parable, he says these words. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And I think he means there that he is the lamp. There will come a time when he won't be speaking in parables that are excluding and hidden. They will be opened up because, of course, he does that for his disciples. He explains to them exactly what what it means, not only so that they would understand and draw the benefit from those parables, but so that they, in turn, would pass that on to us. We live in an amazing time. We don't live in this time of the first century where Jesus is speaking in riddles. We live in the time of the apostolic church where these men heard these things had it explained and then pass it on to us isn't that wonderful we, we I did an experiment when I was um a few years ago now uh with some of my friends who are not Christians I told them some parables and I said what do you think these mean and honestly they were clever people I was speaking to they weren't you know challenged in any way but they had no idea they really had no idea And I thought, well, what an amazing thing now that we don't have to sort of scratch around and think, what do these things mean? Jesus explains it and the apostles explain it. So I can know we live in the time when the lamp has been lifted up and put on the pedestal. Jesus is now out in public. The mystery, to use Paul's language in the New Testament, the mystery has been revealed and we can see. That doesn't mean that all the Bible is as easy to understand as all the other bits. Some bits are really difficult to wrestle with and think through. But we basically live in a time of revelation. where where it's explained to us. I can pick up my Bible, I can read it, and then I can read what the Apostles say about it and I can understand it. Now, I just want to balance that by saying one other thing here. This is a sort of a warning to us and an encouragement. The way that people listen or are enabled to listen properly is by faith. And that comes by God working on the heart to open our hearts to the truth of these things. The reason why any of us in this room this afternoon think that these things are great is because God's already been at, your, at work in your heart, opening it up to the truth of these things. And inside you, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are going, yes, this is true. So there is comprehension. It does start in the mind. We're meant to understand what these things mean. They're not random. But then beyond that the spirit comes he opens our hearts and we go this is truth and I love it. I absolutely love it. Paul says this in one of his letters the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they're folly to him and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So these parables you might understand roughly what they're talking about but for them to really come home to you and for you to believe them and then for you to live them you need the spirit. It's very humbling. We need God's Spirit to understand and believe these things truly. So perhaps we might think then the application of this first point of the four is we now live in the time where we have the privilege of telling other people what the apostles say about Jesus. So in a sense we are passing on that light, the light shining, Jesus is out in public and not everybody's going to accept that. Some people are going to think you're an idiot if you talk about Jesus not putting it too subtly but they will think you're a fool but that's the age we live in where we get to talk about what Jesus said what he stood for what these things mean and what a privilege for us Um, as Ben said on Friday evening we were talking uh, some of us about why the gospel is so important to keep at the heart of Grace Church Hartley but why keeping that good news of Jesus' death and resurrection is right at the heart of things and that's where we live, that's what we're about that's what you're about, that's what our church is about back in Haworth it's revealing the light of the Lord Jesus the the light of all mankind so that's the first thing that Mark has for us the second thing is this, be careful how you listen and this is sort of the heart of, of all of this section really, here verse 24 consider carefully what you hear, he continued with the measure you use it will be measured to you, and even more Whoever has, will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So Jesus has just explained in the last parable that the response to the seed is all important and the seed he explains is the word of God. So that that first parable that you saw last week is all about the proclamation of the word in different ways, preaching, conversations, written uh, forms. It is the declaring of the things that God says and how we respond to that is all important. But... The first three responses of that parable end in death. There's a really, it's a hard parable to hear. Three of those responses end in death. Only one ends in life. Uh, Therefore, how you receive the word is of the utmost importance. And here is Jesus in the very next paragraph saying it plainly to his disciples. He said it in a parable form and now he's saying it plainly. Be very careful how you listen to what God says. Um, with the measure he uses what you use he says I think that means with the attention that you pay to it uh, we give ourselves fully and diligently to listening to God speak through his word and so as we do that we receive blessing upon blessing in fact it isn't that we simply get back what we put in Jesus seems to suggest the more you put in it multiplies the more you get back The return is out of proportion to the original investment of time and thinking and application to yourself. A wonderful encouragement. Um, But then the reverse is also true. Don't give yourself to listening to God and you will destroy yourself. It will be a disaster if you don't listen to what God says. If you do not listen with faith and obedience, even what you have will be taken away from you says Jesus. I heard uh, Jordan Peterson explaining this in terms of economical things. He says it's just a principle of life. You know, people who've got a lot of money will get more, and people who haven't got much will get less. That's rubbish. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about how we listen to God's word, how we listen to his words. If you just disregard it and don't apply yourself to it, even what you've got will be taken away. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, eh? Just warning us. I don't know how you do your um, Bible readings, some of you will have been doing this for a very long time and you probably have habits, what I would consider godly habits, of how you read the Bible. There are some times when I, um, I generally read first thing in the morning, not to do with the workload that I've got for the day but just something that's particularly quiet and for myself. There are some days when I get up and I read my Bible and it is terrifyingly appropriate, supernaturally appropriate it's not like it just randomly connects with various elements of my life i'll read something and it'll be so appropriate to something that's happening for me at that moment the 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 description of god speaking through his word is exactly what's going on i'll pick up my bible and sometimes it is so encouraging exactly what i need because i'm afraid or i'm all sorts of different things going on and i read it and i think this is god speaking what a blessing to hear God speaking so that's the first two things um, there's a time when Jesus is revealed and be careful how you listen to that revelation which brings us to the two parables in our points three and four so the first of those parables be encouraged that God's word does the work this parable is only found in Mark's gospel it fits well into the flow of the material because again it's about sowing and seeds and growth And for me, it's one of the most encouraging parables in the entire New Testament. Let me read it to you again, verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Now let me suggest to you three simple things that this parable teaches that it's pointing to. Firstly God's word does the work while the farmer may sow and water in the end the growth happens without him. That's the point of the parable. It's a challenge to all of us in different ways for those of us like myself and some of you who preach what a great encouragement to us we do the work, we work hard at working out what the Bible says so we can present it clearly and carefully and winsomely, but God through his word brings the growth. Isn't that great? It's such an encouragement to us to keep on saying the things that God says. God brings the growth through his word. So it's a challenge not to fuss or become despairing But it's just, you know, it's too simple or it's, you know, I'm not good enough to say these things. We don't worry about that. I'm not worried about that. We're worried about what God says, because God's words bring life and they bring growth. But that applies also if you're teaching in uh, Grace Church Kids or if you're in a, a conversation with somebody, maybe you're talking to somebody about your Christian faith and they ask you all sorts of difficult questions. Don't be afraid, because as you share what you understand of God's word, transformation happens. Isn't that amazing? God uses all of us in different ways, that was terrifying, all of us in different ways to declare his word, to speak out his word, and that word brings life. When uh, I was doing my training 30-something years ago now, David Jackman, who was one of the guys who... uh, taught us it was almost like a mantra probably a terrible word to use to describe it but it was almost like a repeated saying he would always say the word does the work when you go into ministry whatever you're doing remember the word does the work so for 30 years myself and then all the other people that I've trained with that I know well and keep in contact with we have tried to do that to keep on declaring the word faithfully not because we are not clever but the word is all-powerful God's words will endure forever so we declare it it's cleverer than we are and what a wonderful privilege to tell other people that word secondly God will see his work right the way through to the end Uh, this is an encouragement that God is powerful and committed to producing people who are going to be mature and fully grown there's an inevitability in verse 28 I think all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in the head so that it's just a very simple point there it just keeps growing it keeps on working until it gets to the end and that's thirdly the thing here connected with that the harvest comes when the plant is ready and not before and you could apply that in a number of different ways but let me apply it in this way God will take us home and harvest us as his people when he's good and ready when he's finished his work with us here God's in control of when you go home Isn't that both humbling and encouraging, I think, wonderfully encouraging. I was thinking uh, recently about people that I've known that have come to faith. It is one of the most exciting things about church ministry. I love it, talking to people about the Lord Jesus, seeing change. Um, I was thinking about um, some of the folk here that I saw when they were very little, very annoying and um, and God got hold of them, and they engaged with the Word, and God saved them. And I think isn't God amazing? I think He's absolutely amazing. And I praise God. I really praise God that you are continuing in that Word, and it's still changing you and making you grow. And I love it. God's Word is powerful. So it sort of feels like 30 years hasn't been wasted. It, there's been some some real results to keeping declaring God's Word. Um, So the parable of the growing seed reminds me that God's work is God's work and he does it via his word in a person's soul. And then fourthly, God's kingdom grows. And that's the the second parable, verse 30. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. I think the point of this parable is that the kingdom starts small but then it grows and it grows and it grows to remarkable proportions. So we might think about this as one voice speaking. This is the Lord Jesus, the beginning of the kingdom in many ways. The king of the kingdom who begins the kingdom, just one voice speaking. And then he calls the disciples so they become... 12 more voices speaking and then it expands and you get to the upper room just before Pentecost and there's 120 voices gathered together the spirit comes and then they're spread out five thousand people believe more voices speaking and that's the the story of the book of Acts in many ways it's like a pebble dropped in a pond with the the ripples geographical ripples going out so it goes to Jerusalem then Judea and then to uh, the ends of the earth these ripples of these voices speaking and bringing glory to the Lord Jesus it grows it grows it grows how many Christians in the world today how many do you think anybody got any ideas I did a little bit of research this afternoon. Terrifying when somebody up the front asks that, is it, because you don't want to fool, what's your, yep, yeah, very good, so it's about two point something billion, um, this is people who claim to be connected with Christ in some way, two point, um, there is 8.1 billion people on the planet, and so this is 2.1, uh, six estimated billion people who claim themselves to be Christian. So I'm not answering your question directly, but I am sort of. And that means about a third of our planet, a third of the planet planet say they are associated with Jesus in some way. Now, I'm not a fool. I understand that some of that will just be um, sort of ethnic association, just sort of cultural association. So it won't all be believing connection to Jesus. But even so, I mean, talk about influence that Jesus from one person to 12, to 120, to 5,000, to 2.6 billion people. That's amazing, isn't it? A tiny mustard seed into a great tree with branches <coughs> that spread everywhere with the trees resting in it. What an encouragement, what a fulfillment of his word. And that's really good for us to hear because in the UK, it can feel. There was a report just this week that I read about the disaster that is church in the UK. The churches are emptying faster than they have done since 1960. And you think, oh, dear, this is terrifying. But then you think, no, 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 Jesus says he has planted his seed, his word, and it will grow and it will grow and it will grow. And over the, if you read any church history, which I really recommend, it's really good to read church history for lots of reasons, some great stories to read. But what an encouragement that the church in one area may dip and there may be some judgment on that church but in other areas of the world, the growth is absolutely amazing. God is building his church by his word and nothing will stop that. Just as one sort of slight um, application of that, is that a warning to me to shut up? (laughs) Okay. Um, Malcolm was telling me about uh, when you were first in this room, you didn't bother putting out chairs at the back Um, I mean, I just find this a massive encouragement to look at you and see the room pretty full. And you're here. um, Well, I don't know why you're here. I guess you're here for different reasons, some of you, but many of you are here because you want to hear God's word. You want to hear what God's got to say and you want to respond by singing and praying because you love what he says. Isn't that an amazing thing? God does that. God builds the church. So in the years that you've been going as a church here, God has kept his word and built the church by his word. What a wonderful thing. So you see how all of these verses hang together. They're not separate issues. They're all to do with this issue of the opening up, the the light coming out, Jesus, the word of God shining forth in due course. And then um, these parables to encourage us that that is exactly what happens. The word brings growth. And then that very direct warning from Jesus, be careful how you listen. So that's how I'm going to end. I'm going to ask you, just think just for 30 seconds what is it that god has been saying to me over the last few weeks from his word not just it not just the feelings you know your gut feelings what has god been saying to you in his word that you need to respond to what has he been telling you what has he been challenging you about what has he been encouraging with you with and are you going to listen carefully those things.